Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 105 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. So today, again, I get to have two guests on the show, just as I did last month. So today, I have Garrett's mom and sister. Garrett was really an amazing guy, and I just loved learning about him from two different perspectives. They really give very unique perspectives, both on Garrett and about how two people in the same family grieving the same person can grieve very, very differently. I feel like that's a great lesson to all of us, just showing how normal can look very different in different people. As a reminder, make sure to visit my webpage, andysmom.com where you can see some great pictures that were sent to me by Garrett's family. Also, be sure to follow Always Andy's Mom on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And in this special instance, you can also follow Garrett's sister on Instagram as she is starting to have a more active Instagram account for bereaved siblings. But now I know you will enjoy Garrett's mom and sister. Thank you so much to my two guests again today. So I've had a couple of these now with two guests. So this is Archie and Alina. And Archie is Garrett's mother and Alina is Garrett's sister. And so we're here today to talk about their amazing son slash brother Garrett. So whoever would like to start talking just about Garrett and kind of who he was as a kid and as a person, I'd just love to hear about him. Sure, I can start. Thank you, Marcy, for having us here. So Garrett, oh, there's a lot to say. Yeah. In his two and a half years of life, Garrett really brought a lot of life to a lot of people. Um, I will say even before he was born, when I was pregnant with Garrett, I knew he was going to be a mover and a shaker just by all of the movement when I was pregnant with him. (laughs) And sure enough, when he was born, he actually was an emergency C-section. He had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. So he was taken out very quickly. He came out kicking, screaming, and punching, and he never stopped, honestly. Um, He just was a very joyful, loud, chatty young kid. You always knew Garrett was in the room wherever he was, whether he was as a toddler or as he got older, he just never stopped talking, always just shared stories, was interested in talking to people mm-hmm. from a very young age. I know our neighbors, when he was growing up in our neighborhood, would constantly be in awe of his vocabulary for such a young age. And he took after his mom size-wise. He was on the tinier side, uh-huh. but he was the biggest personality, I will say. He was able to pick up multiple languages as a young kid, like Spanish just came very natural to him, even though we don't have any Spanish speaking people in our families. I'm of Indian descent and my husband's of Italian descent. 
but he just had a, a, a tendency towards language, which allowed him actually to do a study abroad when he went to college in Spain. Mm-hmm. He just just loved to talk to people. He was a people person all the way through. Also very faithful. He always had questions about God as a young child. Mm-hmm. He was very curious. And he actually, of all of us, I would say, was probably the most religious. He was the one that was devout, went to church every day. We, I had the kids back baptized that were Catholic by religion during the pandemic. He never missed, as far as I, from what he told me, he never missed an online church service. He did with this one friend, just really a very multifaceted, multi-interesting child who then became later on to be a, an, an amazing young man, 22 and a half years old when we lost him. And the impact he's left in that short period of time has really reached Ripple's effects and I keep hearing more stories about my son, which are just amazing in that he just was always very inclusive. He loved to help people and just really a proud mom from what I knew and the things that I continue to find out. I know it's such a just a joy when you do find those little nuggets of things that you didn't know before, isn't it? Absolutely. I was thinking that a year ago, for sure. I was like, when we hit the two year anniversary of Andy's being gone, I, I thought I just... I don't have any new memories of Andy for two years. And so I actually went online and asked people to send stories of Andy that I didn't know that I hadn't heard before. And it was just so beautiful because it was like I was getting a little, a few new memories, like even though they weren't my own memories, but to hear things shared about him that I didn't know before was just so beautiful, such a beautiful thing, a gift. It's a new gift, exactly. So, Alina, why don't you talk about Garrett as a brother? Yeah, uh, so I'm three years younger than Garrett, so it definitely made me tougher growing up. Um, But I think even from when I was little, I tried to always keep up with him. I just wanted to do what he was doing. I'd say he he had uh, the connection that we had. He had a lot of intuition about, like, even me. I think before I was born, like, he knew that I was a girl, like, no question, not, oh, like, is it a brother? Is it a sister? It was like he was telling people that I was a girl. And then up until my freshman year of college, he, the first day I moved in, he was like, oh, you're not staying here. And I was like, yes, I am. Like, I like it here. Like, I know people here. Like, this is it's close to the beach. Like, he was like, oh, no, you're not staying here. Like, you're going to leave within the year. And, I, like, I would fight him on it. And here I am. I left you that year. Um, but, yeah, it was very... Honestly, it was a blessing, I think, to grow up as close as Garrett and I were. I'm really thankful for that. And that was also she would make sure that we had that time to spend together um, when as we were growing up. Like it was always days that it was just Garrett and I and things that like we, it was just us, which I really like. Definitely made me tougher. Definitely made me stronger. <laughs> definitely. We would fight a lot. A, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot. But I, we were pretty opposite in the things we liked and the things we did. We both played sports growing up, which was also a big rivalry. Like he never, he played soccer when he was little and I played soccer up through high school. And he would always tell me that he could beat me, that it wasn't that hard. So like, it was always like that sibling rivalry. But as we got older, it was like, he was hanging out with all of my friends with me and I hung out with all of his friends with him. So that also after he passed was a big blessing to know all of his friends are ready to be comfortable with them, to have already hung out with them. It was really helpful. So there was already that familiarity with them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and yeah I mean from what I know he talked pretty fondly of me to his friends uh there was a few times where he did tell me that he would tell people that I was the meanest person that he knew (laughs) you know what from a younger sister perspective I'll take it but yeah yeah also definitely was a motivation for me. Like I always wanted to keep up with him. I always wanted to, if he got a good grade, I needed a better grade. I mean, we're three years apart. So obviously he's taking a lot harder classes, but like as soon as he got a job or he was told he needed to get a job, I wanted a job. Like I wanted to be even with him. Like if he could do something, I needed to be able to do the same thing, (laughs) whether it was when we were little or I think even this past year before he passed mm-hmm. away, I always wanted to be right there with him but yeah he definitely shaped my faith I mean he went to he chose to go to Catholic high school we went to public school through middle school I mean he chose to go to a Catholic high school and I wasn't gonna go I was back and forth and then just he would take me to church with him he'd take me to confession and after that I was like you know what like I think this is what I want also and that also I think made us a lot closer he was a senior when I was a freshman so that was mm-hmm. helpful. We also lost uh, a close friend to suicide when I was a freshman. He was a senior. So unfortunately, that also brought us, unfortunately, unfortunately, that brought us closer as well to kind of deal with that together mm-hmm. for each other. So I'd say we're we're closer than most siblings. Yeah. Like to me, it's weird when people are like, oh, yeah, we don't, I don't hang out with my brother. I don't hang out with my sister. Like that's like weird to me. So yeah, yeah. Definitely. yeah it seems so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. definitely blessed that Garrett was my older brother, is my older brother. Yeah, yeah. And talk a little bit about what he all did in college, because you had mentioned that before we started recording as to just kind of how active he was and how many people he knew when he went to school and it was in Delaware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He went to University of Delaware and he had just graduated May of 2020. And during that four years, he really, uh, he made the most of his time there. He was involved in a lot of activities from just even being a student tour guide. He, by the time he was a sophomore, knew he wanted to go to law school and he ended mm-hmm. up a full ride, actually a full scholarship to Delaware Law School. Wow. He was the president of his fraternity. He really took that to the next level. He actually made that fraternity. He was the founding father while he was president and he actually chartered the, the, the fraternity at, at that school, um, which means it was recognized even further. They won a bunch of awards. I think they got one of the highest GPAs the semester or the year that he was president. He um, was the second president ever of that fraternity at University of Delaware. Beta Theta Pi, shout out to the fraternity guys. <laughs> Very good. He just, he really loved being a leader, always a leader from a young child, from like the very, when he was a toddler, when he was in preschool, he was the leader of of the group and he loved being a leader. I think because he was tiny, it gave him a sense of power. (laughs) Yeah. So, but that was also something I wanted the kids to have as they got through college is the leadership experience, leadership skills. And he really took it to the next level. And he also was part of the Headline Society in at University of Delaware. He was a student ambassador. Um, I'm probably m- missing some things. Board. He was on the appellate board. So he was part of, I guess, the student, the student conduct. And if there were students that were in trouble, he would be on the board to determine what, you know, what type of punishment they would have. So he yeah. really did a lot. Plus, he just liked, he's very social. So if you met Garrett, you didn't forget him. 
even if you just met him for five minutes. Very social. I know one of his good friends had said they would walk to class together and it took about, they would have to build in extra time because Garrett would see all these people he would know and stop to talk to. So by the time they would get to class, sometimes they were late. So they had to actually build an extra, extra time. Just a very personable kid, loved everybody. Very inclusive. Um, very, very inclusive. He, I'm Indian, my husband's Italian. And so he was always aware that he was a little bit different. And he would always be aware that if somebody was feeling isolated or was not feeling part of the group, he would make sure he would go over and talk to them and say, would you like to come sit with us? Or, you know, what are you doing? Do you want to, you know, are you, would you like to be part of our group? Or, you know, you want to go out later with my friends and I. So it was just a very, his mindset from a young child was that open inclusion yeah. type of mindset. Mm-hmm. He didn't like people to feel alone. No. And yeah. I think that really helped him connect people. He connected his high school friends with his college friends. And we're very grateful that they all stay in touch with us. And they're all like even closer now. They've been the past year really been here for us. They've been here for Alina. We had a celebration of his life on his one year passing. And we had an amazing turnout at the house. We planted a Mm -hmm. honor. So he just really, the impact for his short time on earth is very high. Yeah. That's why I wanted you to really go into that because it it really, I think, is nice for people to hear just a little bit more about him and kind of who he was as a person. I mean, he was an impressive young man, that's for sure. And to speak on the inclusion, one of my favorite stories of Garrett is we didn't realize, we didn't learn this until after he had passed away, but what his sophomore year of high school, of college, sorry, he went to a study abroad and he went to Spain and he went with his best friend at the time. So like he was comfortable. He knew um, the language perfectly. Like, and there was one girl who was actually forced by her parents to go. Like she wasn't, she didn't really know anybody. She didn't really want to do it, but her parents wanted her to do it. And Garrett Mm -hmm. at the airport before they left to go to Spain, realized that she was sitting by herself, left his friends, went and sat with her and sat with her on the plane, sat with her on the bus ride and like pulled her in to their group. And she said, because of it, like she had such an amazing experience because Garrett made her feel included and Garrett made her feel comfortable and Garrett made her feel wanted in, in the group. Yeah. I think that pretty much embodies like yeah, very Garrett. So. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's such a, such a beautiful thing to learn too. And that's when, when you were ho- describing the whole thing, I, I was like, I was thinking, he was making her feel wanted. She was feeling wanted. And that's, I, so I'm glad that's how you ended it because that is so important to feel like you're wanted and welcomed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he tried to make everyone that he encountered feel like that, whether they, I mean, even in high school, like he was friends with the jocks, he was friends with the theater kids, he was friends with like, they, we had a, um, a uh, film class and he was friends with all of the film kids like he was literally like had so many groups of friends like everyone knew who he was and everyone wanted to be friends with him like he was in so many different groups which I think is Mm -hmm. is rare I feel like you're usually on like the sports side of things or on like the creative and art Mm -hmm. side of things and he was really in both well especially in high school I think you kind of get pigeonholed into one or the other um you know you're a nerd you're a jock you're you know you're in one of these little categories but there isn't a lot of fluctuation and movement in those so definitely broke that that mold yes (laughs) yeah so why don't you talk now about what happened to Garrett sure so um Garrett came home 
um, to visit us um, August 13th for this just for the night. And mm-hmm. he was supposed to start law school on August 17th. And he came home for the night. He, we spent a lovely day together on August 14th at Friday. And um, we went to a girlfriend of mine's house for dinner, actually probably Garrett's first friends really that they made when they were very young, his mother and I, I'm sorry, their mother mother and I became very good friends through actually through Garrett and Mm -hmm. her daughter and her son, twins. And we went to their house for dinner and it was a very nice evening. And he set off on the road to go back to his apartment in Delaware. We live in New Jersey and he was driving on a turnpike, which is connects Mm -hmm. Delaware to New Jersey. And it was probably about 9.30 p.m. when he left. Like he always did, he would call a good friend, another good friend of his and talk on the phone, hands-free, of course, always safe. Garrett definitely was the safest kid that we knew. He drove like probably like my grandmother, very slow driver, very <laughs> cautious. We got a phone call while we were, while we were at my, my girlfriend's house that um, from his friend that he was talking to. And she thought, she thought that he had gotten into an accident because she had heard a noise through the phone. And so my husband and I quickly got on to the, the road that Garrett was traveling on and we happened to see a state trooper. And my, my husband said, could you find out if there was an accident further down towards Delaware? We just got alerted that there was an accident, that my son might, our son might have been in an accident. Sure enough, there was. And as we were driving down the turnpike, I was trying to call his phone. There was no answer, no answer. And then that state trooper called my husband back and said, yes, there was a life, a a threat, a life threatening accident. Your son was involved in and just go right to the hospital. Don't even bother going to the accident site. So we went to the Uh hospital and unfortunately Garrett didn't make it. And so he, his car became disabled on the turnpike. There was a tire that blew. And a truck hit his car while he was stalled on the turnpike. So, yeah. So we got to the hospital. He he didn't make it. Did they bring him to the hospital or did they not even bring him to the hospital? hospital. He was brought to the And I think that they tried to work on him for about an hour. And uh, he pretty much was gone on impact. Yeah. um, Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, it would... We don't think he suffered. We don't think he felt anything. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I don't even really think he knew like what was going on. I don't think he had time to, to process any of it. It seems like it happened so quick. Pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Part of the, yeah. the turnpike is a higher speed limit. And apparently there's not a lot of lighting there on that part of the, the roadway. So I guess when his car became stalled, the truck apparently didn't see him and it so and it was a box truck so it was and my son was driving a sedan so yeah the impact was pretty high it sounds like things happened very quickly I haven't been able to to read the police report or anything um yet it's just still has that has it been released the police report or not yeah Yeah. I I never have read Andy's and and he died well and just to the audience who might not realize this so Garrett died on August 14th this last year my Andy died on August 15th and that was three years ago so we we share that in common on this being a very very difficult time of the year and you know just to have 
that you know those days be so so tough but i i we have a copy and i just can't i can't read it we so do too. Well, yeah. we do too we have a copy yeah. as well uh there's certain details that we did find out about afterwards which i you know I mean, we saw garrett in the hospital so i had an I did idea not, but of, my parents did yeah my husband and i drove right to the hospital so we saw him and we yeah this is the shock so we knew yeah the, the severity, obviously, they told us they tried to work on him for about an hour and they just, yeah. so it was, yeah, thinking back, it just, it's just something that never leaves you. You know, you're not supposed to see your child like that. I'm sure you nope. really relate to nope. that. I totally relate to that. I, I honestly, I mean, the image of them doing CPR is one that will be with me forever. And I, yeah, I hate that, that it's that way, but. Yeah. It is. My, yeah, I actually wasn't with them. I was at a friend's house. We had all had dinner at our family friend's house and my boyfriend and I left to go to our friend's house. My friends, a few of my friends were leaving for college that week. So it was like the last kind of thing we were going to do together. And even on the way there, so we left. So Garrett left our town probably at 9.30, 9.45. And I had gone back home to change and then I had left and the accident happened, we think around 10.33 and at 10, probably 35, like I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, something's wrong. I was like, I don't know what's wrong. I have a really bad feeling. I do have anxiety, diagnosed anxiety, but I was like, this is different. Like, this is like, I was like, I don't know, but something, something happened or something's had a bad feeling. And he was kind of just like, really? oh, okay, like we're just going to our friend's house. Like we'll be home in the morning. Like everything's fine. And I actually kind of got a thought like, oh my God, I need to call Garrett. And I was like, but you know what? He's driving. Like, I don't want him to pick up the phone. And then it wasn't right. until probably 1130 when they were getting to the hospital that my mom called me. And in that moment, like I, I just knew, like I knew he was gone. Like I didn't, it was just that the, they had called me and told me that he gotten in an accident. They didn't know how bad it was. And I just like, I, I knew, like I looked at I got the phone call and I started to cry and I got really like overwhelmed and I had walked outside of my friend's house and my boyfriend came after me and my friend and I was like, he's gone. Like he's that, like he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You really did have, I mean, and you, you to the point where you probably could have even said, I know he's gone and I know what time it happened right I mean you yeah, like and that was just the call of like he was in an accident so it was probably another hour or so until my mom had called me back and I had actually given my phone to my boyfriend I was like I, I don't like I I was just just a mess and he had right answered, and he was the one that was like he, he didn't make it and I got on the phone with my mom but it was almost like like I had already known so it was yeah. like, a, like this phone call is like, I knew, I knew an out, like, I just had a feeling like, and my friends were like, we don't know how bad it is. Like he could be fine. Like he could be okay. Like it could have been minor. And I was like, no, like, no, that's. Well, and, and I feel like because of that feeling that you had at 1035, you knew. Yeah. I mean, you just knew. Yeah. And that, I mean, that and whether that, anxious. I, you know, who knows how that happens or why that happens or why. God gives us those little insights sometimes, but yeah, you know? Yeah. And as we were driving down, as we were getting more information from the state trooper, 
and I was calling Garrett's phone to get in touch with him. I, what was going through my mind is, oh, he's starting law school Monday. Obviously, that's going to be delayed. It sounds like it's right. a bad accident, life-threatening. I, But as we were getting closer to the accident, as we were, it, when it was about an hour drive, as we mm-hmm. were driving towards where to the hospital, you know, you just kind of those, the worst case scenario did go through my head. My husband had said the same thing. He's like, I don't think he probably made it from what we were told. We were ultimately told that the car was hit by a box truck. And because they used the word life threatening, it was obviously as probably as bad. It was really bad. Right. And yeah. So when I couldn't get in touch with them, um, it just really to Alina's point of just getting that feeling I think as a mom, you just get that feeling and you just kind of know, but of course we're driving is, you know, <laughs> trying not to drive too fast, but also trying to drive knowing that we're driving to, to see our son and we didn't know what to expect, but I kind of thought I knew what I was going to expect. Yeah. Although it's funny because I don't think you want your head wants to let yourself go there though, either. Right. Because you, I don't know. I think to me, I, I, you just keep going back to, but he, we were just talking. He he was just at soccer practice. He was just, right? So you have those things going through your head too. So even though you, in some ways you know you're like, but other ways you think, we were just at dinner. We were just at dinner, right? And so, I mean, he had driven to Delaware how many times? I mean, this was like he had years. been there four years we have like a little BMW that we actually got from her dad that's been to Delaware. And it's, I mean, it's a small car and it's made there no problem. Like it's like, he's been there a million times. Like this is just a routine thing at this point. Like he goes back to school and it was like, like, and I think I actually read something a while ago that was like, when you like are texting someone or calling someone, then they don't answer. And it's like that split second of like, Oh my God. But for most people, then they call back or then they text back. And it's like, okay, like we had that moment, but everything's fine. And that we didn't get, ever get that call back. Like we didn't ever get that text. So it was like that, oh my God, was like the least, like it was like, yeah. that was just the beginning. For most people, it's just that instant feeling. And then a few minutes later, everything's fine because they call back or they text. And that was like that feeling of the, oh my God, he's not answering the phone was just the beginning mm-hmm. of like, this is... Life. And it changes you though yeah. from then on, right? So my foster son is anyway. He I had announced that he had moved out, and he had moved out, and now he had to move back in because of crazy circumstances. But what happens is is he didn't have a car, and he had to get a ride home from work, and he was supposed to get a ride home from work at six o'clock, and I didn't get home from work until eight o'clock, and he's not home, and I text, and I text. And I go downstairs and I try to find him in his room and he's not in his room and he's not anywhere and he's not answering the text. And then I'm calling and he's not answering. And his phone had died. He was fine. He was just out with friends. He didn't come in home until 1015. But he does not understand that he cannot do that to me. Right. You know, you are different. When you have had the worst imaginable happen, then... Those two hours for me from 8.15 to when I got home to 10.15 when he finally came through the door were unbelievably hard because my mind goes to the bad place right away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he walks in and I said, I've been worried. You can't do that to me. And he goes, what? Like, (laughs) 
dude, come on, you lived in this house. When this happened, you should understand you can't do that to me. If your phone dies, you need to find somebody else's phone and just send me a quick message. I'm fine. My phone's dead. You can't get a hold of me something you know it's it just changes you you're you're not the same innocent person that you were before you went through that tragedy yeah and I'm sure Lena can attest I I have always been of that I've always had a fear every mother has a fear right of the worst Mm -hmm. case scenario happening to your child especially when they start driving and they're driving far and even when Garrett was at school, I would still check his location. Like we have each other's location. And I would check before I go to bed to see, is he in his apartment? Where is he? You know, and there was actually one night last last year where he wasn't in his apartment. It was like one o'clock in the morning. And I texted him and I said, where are you? Are you okay? He's like, mom, I'm just at my friend's house. Are you going to always check up on me even when I'm 26? And I said, yes. And he said, why? And I said, because it gives me comfort. And he was fine with that. And Mm -hmm. Lena too, like I, you know, I just look at their location. It's just something that maybe it's a little helicoptering, but as my son would say, but you know what? I just, it's that sense of comfort. And if you don't get that, then your mind wanders. And now with Alina, she does, she understands it though. She understands and she checks in and she will let me know I'm going here. I just got here. I'm leaving here. I'm going to go there. So, you know, there, there is that that other level of from her side as well to let me know because of what Mm -hmm. we've been through and it really does change you. And, you know, we got to the hospital and Garrett's friend that he was on the phone with was there because she didn't live too far from there. And Garrett's roommate who he was going to meet at Delaware was also there. So I don't even know how they've processed. I think we're all still processing it over a little over a year later, but it will forever change how, how you live your life. Mm -hmm going through that trauma and yeah it makes you hyper aware of the world around you sure. it really yeah it does it you notice so much more don't you when there are other tragedies that have gone on and other things you just notice them more and my heart breaks more for them too and then i think i ever did because i can feel myself in their shoes a little bit more than before this happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, we, she signed up for all like the news alerts in our area and like the car accidents before it was like, Oh, that's so sad. Like there was a car accident and now it's like, Oh my God, like I can feel what it's like to get that phone call. Like I know what it's like, she knows what it's like to have to go to the hospital and, and see them. And before it was like, Oh, like that's so sad. I hope everyone's okay. And now it's like, Oh my God, like that's so like traumatizing. And now it's like, almost with every alert, you almost like relive it. Like it's almost like, wow, that was, that was us. Like that was us. So yeah, Yeah. I know. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk about your kind of grief journeys and how you've handled it differently. Very differently. Because you have handled it quite differently, the two of you. And I think that's an important thing to talk about, about how, so many ways of grieving can be normal and that there are in even the same family grieving the same person you can do it quite differently and to just kind of how that works for you guys I was working a part-time job at like a pool I worked a snack stand at a pool um when the accident happened so during that time and so obviously the next day like I called them and told them what happened that I wouldn't be in and they told me to take as much time as I needed 
Um, but I think after two weeks, I went back and I was like, I I can't, I can't just sit here and I can't yeah. just think about it. And I can't just be sad. Like I needed to do something productive. I think one, I think I was still very, very much in shock. I think still sometimes a year later, I'm still in shock. Mm-hmm. So I went back and I worked 10 to six at the pool at day in and day out. And it was a little hard, especially, I mean, like, cause I went to work that day, the day of the accident and I came home early and um, I was with him. So like the drive there and back were kind of a little traumatizing of like, this is where I was that day. And yeah, it was hard, but I, I, I couldn't just sit in the house. So I got that job and then it was a pool summer job. So after that ended probably September and I started class um, at a community college online in August or probably the first week of September. I went back to class mm-hmm. and I did my classes and I had emailed all my professors and told them that what was going on in my situation. But I even like my parents had given me the option to, to take the semester off and to just kind of chill out for a second and, and get the help that I needed, whether it was like a therapist or anything like that. And I was like, no, like, Garrett had actually lost two friends in high school. And I was like, with each friend that he lost or we lost, like he never stopped doing anything. If anything, he got more involved. So I was like, I don't want to take a semester off. I don't want to be behind academically. Um, I want to graduate with all my friends, but I also know that Garrett wouldn't want me to not go to school. Like he wouldn't want me Mm -hmm. to to take a break. Obviously he would understand if I needed it, but he wouldn't. Yeah. His passing. I think that's a good point. I'm glad that you brought that up too, because a lot of people say that to you and yeah. say, Andy wouldn't want you to be sad. Andy wouldn't want you to be doing this. I know that, but now you're just making me feel guilty because I really just can't. Exactly. So, because sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. Exactly. So if you can go back to work and it's super helpful for you to go back to work, go back to work. Yeah. But then Archie, you had a different experience, right? Very much the polar opposite reaction that my brave young girl had. I was paralyzed. I was traumatized and paralyzed. I didn't know what day it was, whether I was coming or going. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I'm pretty much sheltered at home. Um, Mm -hmm. The pandemic for me, as many people as we lost, which was horrible, but going through what we were going through, I really, it was a blessing that I didn't have to leave the house if I didn't, you know, to put a mask on, to go to the store. Like I just didn't want to see anybody. I actually didn't leave, probably really leave the house for the first three months. Mm -hmm. I just was paralyzed. I was just, just couldn't really fathom what my life, what our lives, what we were going through. I was just shocked. Yeah. True shock this can't be happening. Right. Just, I just remember that going through my mind again and again and again, this can't be happening. This can't be my life. This just, it just doesn't make sense that it's possible. Exactly. We had just seen him. We had such a nice dinner with our friends and all of a sudden he's gone, not coming back through my door, you know, and I was having, I don't want to say nightmares, but I was having some thoughts about what happened to him that night. You know, I wasn't with him. He was alone. So Things were going through my head about, did he know? Was he okay? Like, I, you know, just my baby, you know, just did he feel anything? Like just those Mm -hmm. things were going. So for me to have those thoughts and then to go and do, be a project manager at work, it just, 
I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Even seeing friends, even seeing family was exhausting and fatiguing. And just the idea of having conversations was exhausting and fatiguing. I really literally sheltered. Like I just didn't really want to see. I had a few people that I felt safe with and yeah, that was it. I just yeah. couldn't, you know, a couple of good friends, my sister, my sister-in-law, just that's it. I like how you put that, that you had a couple of people that you felt safe with. That is, that is the key sentence there because there are people that you just don't feel safe with. You just don't feel like I don't want them to see me either way. I don't want them to see me completely and utterly devastated and unable to do anything because that will be weird and uncomfortable. I also don't want them to see me like doing normal things, going to the grocery store and having a smile and laughing because then do they think everything's okay with me? Because it's not. My world is over. And so anyway, I just feel like there there are so many people that you just don't feel comfortable showing any of yourself to at that point. Mm -hmm. That's why I really felt most comfortable then around other bereaved parents, because I felt like I could be me around them and they would understand that this is what I was feeling and what I was going through. So, yeah. And I, I do have, sadly, I do have some friends who are also bereaved moms and parents and families. Mm -hmm. And even in, in those early few weeks, I didn't even feel comfortable speaking with them just because I think mm-hmm. my whole system was just so, so shut down mm-hmm. that just, you know, what do you say? You know, it, it just, I was just in a whole different place mm-hmm. with my whole being at that time. And I will say the support from my friends who were also bereaved parents, the support from my non-bereaved friends and family so strong, so amazing. I mean, constantly checking in the food, like just always making sure that we knew that they were there. That went a long way, whether it's just a text or a quick pop-in, that went a long way. And I had the choice if I wanted to engage or not. And they understood that I wasn't ready for a while. And the patience, I, I will say that goes a long way. People being patient with you when you're going through this process, because truly you know, having friends who are bereaved and then actually being in that same position are two different things. Until you're going through it, you can't truly know what someone else is going through. Mm-hmm. And just that love and that support, it went a long way. And I think that's really what gave me the strength finally to come out of my black hole and show my head a little bit, show my face around uh-huh. and no judgment, you know, just people understood that I just needed to, to be alone. I love that you said the word patience because I do have a lot of people who listen who are family members or friends of people who have lost their children and they turn to this to kind of know what to do. So I think that was a key sentence to say there, just be patient. And when you show that patience like your friends did to you, and just keep kind of showing up and keep sending the texts and keep reminding that bereaved person that you're still there, then that 
finally ends up giving you the courage to being able to come out of your shell because you're thinking they're going to leave. They're going to leave. But when they don't, when months go by and they don't leave and they're still there and they're still sending that occasional text or bringing you dinner or asking if they can stop by the store and pick something up for you, when they're still doing those things after weeks and months, then you know. Yeah, and we live in a very close-knit neighborhood, which I think we're very lucky to live in such a close-knit neighborhood. And during COVID, we had gotten super close. Like, everyone was hanging out uh, hanging out outside, like, in their own country mm-hmm. yard, but socially distanced and safe. But we got super close, and they still would do that, but they would still t- send a text, and it was like, we are probably not ready, but there will always be a chair for you when you are. Like, it was like, we Mm -hmm. still got those invitations. We still got those, like, we're doing this. If you guys would like to come, if you want to stop over. Um, And that I think was really helpful because it was like, and we live in the same neighborhood. Like, we can see when you guys are doing things. So it was like that text of like, you're still always included. Like, you will still always be included when you're ready. Like, we'd love to have you. That I think to me was super helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So just, I mean, they, they knew we weren't going to come. I mean, that first right. month, two months, three months, like they knew we were not going to come, but they would talk to us so anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's just so, so precious. Yeah. It's so was, precious to know you're still loved. We had neighbors making dinner for us for six months after um, they would bring dinner over every Sunday. Like it was like, and just because they wanted to because they wanted to and they all they all saw Garrett grow up and they all knew Garrett and love Garrett as much you know as as they could as our friends and they felt the pain that we were going through and that was their way of being supportive I I think everybody has different ways of of the way that they show support some people can make food and cook for you and some people go to the grocery store some people send you quick text I mean, it's just the su- amount of support was just incredible. And you really need that. Even though I sheltered and I didn't see anybody, having it was still very critical because it really- Well, you could still feel it. Anything. Right. Even though you chose to be alone and you chose to take that time to yourself, you could still feel the presence of all of those people. So even though there were times you felt alone, you knew you weren't, right? You exactly. knew you were still in community- and that the second you decided to go out that front door, there would be someone waiting for you. So, And that's very different than when you feel completely alone. Because I have talked to some bereaved parents who feel completely alone, who really had been abandoned by people they thought they could rely on. And that is so much worse. Oh, absolutely. I I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine being yeah. alone. So you being able to isolate by choice right, exactly. is, is, is different. Mm-hmm. So you eventually, though, did go back to work. You said about eight months later? About eight months later, I went back. I work in the pharmaceutical industry. I'm a project manager. And my colleagues, incredible. And they were also part of the people that were checking in on me. It was hard going back, obviously, yeah. for many reasons. But because... The day that my son came home that night, that Thursday night, I was on a work call till six. And he's like, mom, you need to get off your work call. I'm home. I'm home for the night. Let's go do something. And my work colleagues knew Garrett. They knew of Garrett. I talked about him all the time. I talked about my kids all the time. So going back and talking and now 
having this whole obviously life-changing experience and 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 just this tragedy and I think people were very careful in how we were interacting and they you know they would let me know that they were keeping me in their thoughts and prayers the whole time and will continue to mm-hmm. I really just didn't want to talk about anything so I would kind of just go right into the meeting or or just go business as usual because I just couldn't make mm-hmm. myself there because if I did, I would need to then log off my call or just not work for the rest of the day. So I kind of would say thank you. And then we would just get right into business. Mm-hmm. And because I, but I think because I had that time off, it allowed me to kind of get myself ready to get to that point. I didn't want to go to work and just, although I did feel safe with my boss and my colleagues, I just, didn't want to be not able to be productive. And I will say my manager to this day, I'll let her know if I'm having a tough time and I need to log off for a couple of hours. We're not in the office yet, which is, which has been again, a blessing in disguise through this pandemic, Mm -hmm. but we're still all online. I can log off and go for a walk. I can go, you know, see my daughter at her job for an hour. And and it's just nice. I can get that escape and then get back into the work day. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the conditions I said, I, I'm just probably going to be very, I am going to be very different. My work ethic is probably going to be a little bit different. I'm probably not going to be able to work the 10 to 12 hour days I was doing before. And they all understood that. They said, you do absolutely what you need to do. And having that work support for my work family is still going a long way for me. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, they were incredible. They made it easy and very welcoming me to come back. And I actually was at a point where I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back. I just was like, just give me a package. Let me go. But they actually were saying, you know what, we want you to come back. If and when you're ready, uh, we'll be here. And yeah. I'm glad I made that decision. Cause I know again, as Alina said, and Garrett would want me to not just be home, you know, just being sad. Yeah. That was, that was a big decision for her. It I mean, she, you thought about that for weeks of what yeah. should I do? And should I go back and I mean, we're not the same people. So to go back to the same job, I think was really yeah. hard, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. but you, yeah, she did ultimately decide to go back. Yeah. And I think I totally get that. You know, I was home. I mean, initially I went home just after a few weeks and that was just a disaster. It didn't go well at all. But when I did go back, it's different. You're not the same person that you used to be. And it's hard, I think, sometimes for your coworkers to remember that. You're you're in a point where it's just been a year now that everyone is still remembering that. Yes. But there will be a time when people will kind of start to forget that you are not the same as and things are so just as time goes on, things just change. Things change and and new people are hired on and they don't really know what happened to you. And so it's just different. It mm-hmm. is. It is. And that's something that, you know, just, just thinking about even in situations. So we got a puppy this last January and we took a puppy okay. training class and she's just so sweet. We have a, a dog 10 years old and we got a new puppy and we took her to a puppy training class. And one of the questions so we were asking about how do we get the two dogs to get along with each other? And the trainer said, oh, you know, it's like having siblings. And then she looked at Alina and she said, oh, you know, do you have a sibling? And so, of course, Alina was like, well, yes. 
we lost him in a car accident. So going back to an environment where people don't know you and know your story is, is mm-hmm. sometimes hard. And I've had situations at work already where I've kind of had to say, you know, forgive me, I'm just having a tough day. Or somebody new that started and knows of my story and will say, I'm very sorry to hear. It. And I don't even know the person, but it was shared amongst colleagues. So it's kind of like, it, it takes you kind of throws you off a little bit, but then I mm-hmm. appreciate that they're being compassionate. So it's, it's mm-hmm. just going into situations that you're just not sure if you're ready. How do you get yourself ready? Yeah. But I have to say people for the most part are very compassionate. I mean, I just moved to Arizona. So, yeah. and actually kind of weird and again, bittersweet how it worked out. But so Garrett passed away August 14th, 2020. And I left for Arizona August 14th, 2021. So it was like, wow, like, a year ago today was a very different day. And now a year later, like I'm starting a whole different chapter. So, I mean, I started over, I mean, my boyfriend also is here um, and just moved to Arizona with me, but I mean, I have all new roommates, all new classes. Um, We had a Zoom call and one of the roommates was like, oh, like, do you guys have siblings? And obviously I knew the question was coming. It's just such a basic question, but I was able to kind of be like, you know what, like, I know this isn't the answer you guys are expecting. And this is like, you don't have to, we don't have to talk about it and whatever, but I have an older brother, he passed away. And I mean, the reaction, I mean, from adults to people my age, I'm only 20 is like a very different, it's like, do they have the emotional maturity to kind of handle like that? I have an older brother who passed away, or am I going to be like the girl whose brother passed away so it's like yeah. it's very nerve-wracking for me to to go into a whole new environment but I will say like they were if they didn't know how to handle it they didn't show it because they were just kind of like I'm so sorry like if you ever need to talk about it and just kind of like moved on like they acknowledge the fact that they obviously don't know what that's like um, my one roommate has two brothers my one roommate has one brother and the other roommate's an only child so it's like they don't mm-hmm. what it's like they don't it's like to have a brother yeah. but they don't and I hope they never do right right you don't want them to you don't want them to at all you know, environment mm-hmm. like is scary but it's all like rushing at the same time because it's like nobody knows and I get to tell them what I want them to know so I was going to say I want to take any point that I can when this kind of topic comes up to bring up something that a recent guest said that what Instead of saying, how many children do you have? Or how many brothers and sisters do you have? If you use the phrase, tell me about your family. Yeah. It is so much less, you know, it just, it's totally different. You don't have, you can now tell them about Garrett or not tell them about Garrett. Mm -hmm. When you get the question, tell me about your family. Because when you get the question, do you have any brothers or sisters? You either say... Yes, and you want to start to cry because Garrett has passed away, or you say no, and then you feel this horrible betrayal like he didn't even exist, but you don't really want to necessarily go there with someone that you just met, or especially if it's a brief thing that you're going to meet them one time and never again, you don't, I mean, with your roommates, it's different, right? They're going to learn about this, but if it's somebody that you were just in class with and that 
question comes up. If you had the question asked of you, tell me about your family, you are free to answer in so many different ways and not feel guilty about how you answer. Yes. Right? So I just feel like I need to bring that up any chance you can possibly get. And all of us are going to model this. And I'm never asking the question again, how many kids do you have or how many brothers and sisters do you have? I am always saying, tell me about your family every single time. So if we can spread that, it would be just amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm of the mindset that any chance I can talk about Garrett, I will. Yeah. I haven't had a moment or, or a question where uh, that's been asked to me that I, I wouldn't necessarily, but I could understand where some people, like you said, if it's just a short, brief meeting, you maybe don't want to go there. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely, I feel like I would still want to share about Garrett, the fact that yeah. I have two children, mm-hmm. one's in heaven and, you know, and, and just, yeah. Yeah. I also learned through like just talking to my counselor and stuff. It's important for me to be able to take control of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. I get to decipher what I tell you about Garrett and I am going to kind of control your reaction and kind of preface it with, yes, this is not a normal answer. So we can, don't need to, to talk about it anymore. Don't feel like you need to say anything. I like, and kind of go from there. And I think after I started doing that, people have been a little bit more receptive because it's like, okay, like I know that this is not the answer you're expecting. Like this is not a simple, yeah, I have a brother. Like, this is like a big, like change. Like this is going to change the way that you look at me. And this is going to change the way like you're going to feel sorry. But it it does take a lot of the pressure off that person when you say, I know this is not the answer you expected, but because now they're not forced to think, what do I say? Exactly. What do I say? Because then people feel pressure to somehow sometimes make you feel better or something. Yeah. I don't know what they or to kind of be like, yeah. oh, well, like t- we've had people, we had someone be like, well, like he's so much more powerful now. And it's like, I guess okay. it depends on how you look at it. Maybe. Yeah. But that's not how I would like him to be. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, oh, I my dog died last year. Please exactly. do not say that. You know, I know how you're feeling. No, nope, right. I don't. <laughs> yeah. So, but if you take that pressure that now they don't feel like they need to do a response, I think yeah, that can certainly help as well. Reaction. It kind of also, I because my, I struggle with like the awkwardness then of the conversation yeah. of like, what are they going to say and how am I going to react to it? So kind of taking away that awkwardness and then being like, I'm so sorry. And then that's it. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the whole conversation. Like, that's, that's all I need. You don't need to say. And that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. So tell me about what you've been doing with Instagram. Um, so I started an Instagram account. It's called Garrett's Sister because throughout elementary school and probably my whole life, I'd had people go, oh, oh, are you Garrett's sister? Like, are you like your Garrett's sister? And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, that was my identity all throughout elementary school because he was in fifth grade and I was probably in second grade. Second grade, right. So it's like, that was my identity and that will always be who I am. I mean, all of Garrett's mm-hmm. friends knew me as Garrett's sister. So, but it was more about like my, I guess, life after the fact mm-hmm. and kind of how Garrett motivated me, the law, losing Garrett kind of motivated me to want to do more. Like I, I kind of felt like I had a choice in my grief. I kind of felt like, I could stop doing everything and stop going to school and stop hanging out with my friends and completely change. Or I could lean into that more. I could lean into school more and get more involved. I could hang out with my friends more and do more of 
what Garrett would do. And so I kind of took it as like grief sucks and losing someone sucks, but the rest of your life does not have to suck. Like mm-hmm. everything after that loss doesn't have to be bad. Like there can still be good things. I mean like that. So he, we lost him in August, so like that Thanksgiving, that Christmas, like we didn't feel like celebrating anything. But after that, I was like, you know, I want to celebrate these things even more. Like I want to celebrate Garrett's birthday even more. I want to celebrate Christmas bigger than we used to because Garrett was such an enthusiastic person especially about the holidays like he had a list of (laughs) Halloween movies and Christmas movies that he would watch every single year like he decorated his apartment every single holiday so it was I kind of took spirited that as like I want to lean into that more now like I don't want to shun these things away and not celebrate things like I want to do that more and so that's kind of like I just through my Instagram, want to share that with other people. I feel like there's not a whole lot of resources for siblings. There's not a mm-hmm. whole lot of things for siblings. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to. They're, they're thought of to be the forgotten mourners, exactly. as people say all the time, that they just, you just don't pay attention. And people, I'm sure, ask you all the time, how are your mom and dad? Mm-hmm. It's, you it's, probably get, how are your mom and dad more often than how are you? Yeah. For sure. And every so often I'll throw that in at the end. Like, oh, how are you? But it's like, well, what am I (laughs) going to say now after you've just talked about my parents for 10 minutes? Like, I'm great. Yeah. What do you want me to say? But yeah, so I just wanted to be something that other siblings could look at and be like, you know what? Like, however old you are when you lose a sibling, like I I was 19. Like, so for the rest of my life, like, am I just going to be sad and upset and not want to do anything? And I was like, I that, that wasn't Garrett. So that can be me. So if you like, you're young, like I'm young. So it's like, I don't mm-hmm. want to, this to define, like, this is a defining moment, but I don't want this to yeah. define the rest of my life. Yep. So, and I think kind of leaning into those things has helped me a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Has helped me kind of mm-hmm. honor Garrett and, and keep, keep going. Mm-hmm. and keep mm-hmm. with school and get more involved with school and tr- like I think it's different like just going to school is going to school but like I want to succeed in school like I want to do my best like I want to feel like I'm still competing with Gary he got a full <laughs> ride to law school like I'm probably not gonna get a full <laughs> ride to law school but you never know um, so, yeah I, I want that Instagram to kind of be a resource and kind of be like a motivation of like, okay, you know, I can do this too. Like I can take. Yeah. Right. A resource for other bereaved mm -hmm, siblings. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Happen to me and make it not suck. Yeah. So Archie, you are right now in Arizona, bringing her to school. How that's just one kind of last question I have for you today is how is that? How is uh, moving her across the country? for you it's it's bittersweet it really is i'm yeah on the one hand excited for alina starting her new journey her new chapter mm-hmm. west the, the weather's beautiful here i think it's just a very nice energy here um mm-hmm. i think that she will do very well here but it's also very sad because she's going to be so far away from me and and obviously going through what we're going through, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's just uh, bittersweet. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's bittersweet. But at the same time, 
again, with what Alina was saying, with just wanting to, to live her life yeah. in the best way that she can and do things that make her find some joy. I think yeah. this is one of them coming out here, taking this adventure on, furthering her education. She just became a political science major. She has a passion for that. I think she's going to do amazing things and she's going to take her brother's essence, Garrett's essence and, and carry that with her. And I think I'm very proud. I'm a very proud mom. I, I think she's just one of the most bravest people I've ever met. And so that yeah. makes me. I think so too. I think so too. And I do think that it, it's beautiful that you can be Garrett's sister on Instagram, but I think it will be equally beautiful for you to be in Arizona not Garrett's sister yeah. or Archie's daughter. Yeah. How are your mom and dad? How's everything going? But to be you. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I think if we hadn't lost Garrett, like, I don't know where I'd be because I was obviously transferring, but the way Garrett lived his life, like he, he went to Spain. Like he did all the things he wanted to do. Like, I felt like, you know what, like this is the time that I can get out of my comfort zone and I can like experience something new. And, and I think that, that Garrett, that's what Garrett was about. Like he always was doing, yeah, he inspired you. Always mm-hmm. doing new things. Like he's still definitely motivating me to, to. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for sharing Garrett with us. What an amazing guy. And you are two amazing women. And I loved hearing your different perspectives because I think that's really valuable for so many of us to hear. Thank Thank you you very much, Marcy. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.